When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Beyond the Pearls podcast, based on the Morning Report series from Elsevier. This podcast has been adapted for audio in collaboration with series editor Dr. Raj Dasgupta, as well as the volume editor for each book. Each episode features an in-depth case dissection format and aims to deliver practical, concise, and easy-to-digest information. And now, here's today's episode. So, let's do another one. Um... Let's do this 50 year old woman is evaluated in the ED for a one day history of oh hearing voices um, history is significant for bipolar and okay she's on lithium and she's on quetonapine that's going to be Seroquel. Um, <laughs> I don't know about your ICU but my God my fellows love handing out Seroquel like it's candy in the ICU. Um, check that QT interval. Um, on exam, the patient is disheveled and looks chronically ill. She's alert and oriented, but appears anxious. All right. Blood pressure is 138 over 78. Heart rate is 80 without orthostatic changes. There is no edema. The remainder of the exam is normal. And they give some lab studies. Don't worry. Everything is where? In the serum. So it's good. Oh. There's a little urine there. I take it back. I'm sorry. There's some urine in there. So, <laughs> um, BUN looks all right. Creatinine looks good. But uh oh, look at that sodium, 126. It's low. Potassium is okay. So is the chloride. So is the bicarb. And glucose is okay too. And it looks like the urine sodium in this case is going to be well. If for time's sake, I'm going to help you out a little bit. It looks to be what high or low. It looks low. Uh, urine osmolarity seems to be what? High or low? Yeah, it seems pretty low. So you got a low urine sodium, a low urine osmolarity, and sodium is 126 in the serum, and she's coming in for hearing these voices, and she has bipolar, all right? And she's on lithium <laughs> and Seroquel. Okay, um, which of the following is the most likely cause of this patient's um, hyponatremia? Um, Man, I really wish we could interact a little bit. I'm so excited. <laughs> so anyone, do we think the answer is hyperglycemia? Probably not, but for one reason, uh, seeing how the glucose is what? Normal, so I'll take that off. Um, what about what about nephrogenic diabetes insipidus? Does anyone want to pick that one? Probably not, because you know, if you have nephrogenic, or if you have ne diabetes insipidus in general, that serum sodium is definitely not going to be what low it's definitely not going to be low it makes no sense so it's not going to be b now why did he put this here probably because of that lithium you know so it really comes down to psychogenic polydipsia i don't know when's the last time i answered that on the boards um s-a-a-d-h all right or she volume down so how are you going to decide what is the right answer here you know yeah I mean, you guys know and gals know me so well now. It's all about the what? The urine. So if you haven't noticed the theme here, I know every one of you are going to get the serum stuff, boom, like that. It's all about the urine. So what was one of the choices? It was 
SADH. I don't think she's at risk for SADH. You know, there's no something in the CNS. There's no lung cancer. There's no pneumonia over there. And if you had SADH, everyone, what would the urine, sodium, and urine osmolarity be? Just yell it out. Okay, I can't hear you. <laughs> but the urine, sodium, and SADH should be high. The urine osmolarity and SADH should be what? High. So, I mean, just by default, it can't be this based on lab studies. Volume depletion. All right, all right. Uh, if you're volume down, the urine sodium needs to be what? Low. All right. This could be it. I mean, I don't know. Urine sodium is very low. And the last one was someone who has psychogenic polydipsia, like chugging, 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 chugging water. So if you're chugging lots of water. What would your urine sodium be? Well, it's going to be very dilute. So the urine sodium has to be what? Low. So it really comes down to, uh-oh, urine sodium is low in both. So how do I pick what is going to be the right answer if urine sodium is low for both polydipsia and, and being volume down? Ah, you got it. What's the thing you have to look at next? It's going to be the urine osmolarity. So urine osmolarity, we don't think about it that often. We don't really sometimes don't realize why it's going to be important. So if you have, you're going to be dehydrated, what would the urine osmolarity be? High. Well, if you have this psychogenic polydipsy or chugging lots of water, it's going to be a very dilute urine. So urine sodium is going to be what? Low. And the urine osmolarity is also going to be low. So the answer is going to be what? Polydipsia. All right. So, <laughs> and for the boards, you know what I mean? Maybe they're not going to make it, hey, someone's just drinking tons of water. I mean, um, I'm sure I work in the county hospital sometimes, and sometimes we have people that have beer potomania. So um, I think that'd be a fair question for the board exam. Someone comes in and trust me, they're not drinking the air quote good beer. I think they're drinking, what is that watered down beer that people drink? I, I forget. It's like, what, Keystone? cores perhaps blue ribbon i don't know i'm sure you, you guys are coming up with some other ones but if you're drinking lots of beer it's called beer potomania very similar to psychogenic polydipsia when you look at the urine okay and i put tea and toast here because many of us have old you know patients who starting to get demented, they don't have good caretakers, and they get something called tea and toast syndrome but they'll have more of a normal urine osmolarity in these cases so let's do one more and then maybe we could do a little bit of teaching about sodium. How's that sound? Sound good? Okay. So 18-year-old woman is brought to the ER by friends. Um, she is confused. She is febrile. And her friends state that she took some ecstasy at a party, but she was previously well with no past medical history. So stop right there. So why am I bringing ecstasy in here. So you know and I know on the critical care boards, they love toxicology. They love talking about, you know, whether it be PCP or cocaine or something like that or toxic alcohol. So definitely ecstasy is fair game for the board exams. All right. So took some ecstasy, comes in confused and febrile. On exam, patient's definitely confused. She's only oriented to her name. <clears throat> she is beyond febrile at 102. Her blood pressure is 148 over 94. She's tacky, to give it a 20, O2 sats, 96%, and she's on two liters of nasal cannula. The remainder of the exam is unremarkable. And of course, we're gonna get some labs, and it looks like her B1 creatinine are okay. Uh-oh, stop right there. Check out that urine sodium. That urine sodium is definitely what? 
low, 118. Then potassium chloride, not too bad. Bicarb starting to edge down on the uh, uh, acidotic side. And to give a urine osmolarity, and contrary to this last urine osmolarity right here, which was low, this one looks pretty what? Yeah, this one looks pretty high. You have a high urine osmolarity. So sodium is 118. She's only 18 years of age. She took ecstasy. Uh, which of the following is the most appropriate initial treatment? So classic critical care question, what do you want to do with this 18-year-old person? So do you want to do a normal saline bolus at 100 mLs per hour? Do you want to give a little hypertonic 3% saline, give a 100 mL bolus? Uh, should we do some fluid restriction? Uh, do you want to use a VAPTAN? These are vasopressin 2 receptor antagonists, got the FDA approval for people with SADH. Or oral urea uh, that and i'm going to tell you something for time's sake that will be the wrong answer on the board exams we don't use oral urea to, to help correct um, hyponatremia so the answer here is going to be this patient is symptomatic it's acute hyponatremia in the symptomatic realm that sure it's always nice to know what etiology is but this question talks about how do you treat her and when you have symptomatic hyponatremia acute mental status changes acute neurological symptoms you got to give what? Say it. Hypertonic. So the answer here is going to be what? B. But why am I talking about this is because what really dropped this 18-year-old sodium so fast? It's about ecstasy. So when we talk about ecstasy, you can definitely get fatal hyponatremia, which is why it's going to be on your board exams. And how do these patients become hyponatremic? In two ways. Number one, when you take ecstasy, it really just makes you super, super thirsty. I think when you watch these movies that people are just drinking a ton over there. So you're taking in lots and lots and lots of fluids, but at the same time, you develop what? This SIADH type syndrome where you have anti-diuretic hormone, inappropriate secretion of antidiuresis. So if you're not, if you're retaining the fluid and you're drinking fluid, uh-oh, your sodium is really going to what? Drop. And you know what's scary about this is that this can occur, this drop in sodium, regardless of how much you took. So this is going to be a triple star, high yield pearl for the board exams. So with that being said, what I wanted to do, you know, and I apologize that I went over here, is I'm all about making these little charts to help you get all the right answer on the boards. So just like I did for metabolic alkalosis, Here's how I work up hyponatremia, really focusing on the question itself. So once you're hyponatremic, what should you do? You could calculate or order serum osmolarity, right? Calculating serum osmolarity is two times the sodium plus the BUN divided by 2.8 plus the glucose divided by 18, or you could measure it. And why do you sometimes want to calculate and measure it? Well, if you want to calculate the osmolar gap and you and i know when they're going to ask about osmolar gap when they give you a toxic alcohol something like ethylene glycol something like methanol always think about that osmolar gap so once you calculate serum osmolarity you know you could bring into three main categories hypoosmolar iso and hyperosmolar so from the hyperosmolar you know that seems weird how can you be hyponatremic but hyperosmolar 
odd. So one of the things that can do that is being hyperglycemic, you know, and of course, the other thing can be on medications such as mannitol. So if you're doing neurocritical care, maybe someone comes in with increased intracranial pressure. And of course, mannitol is an osmotic diuretic. It's osmotically active. And if you're giving mannitol and you measure serum osmolarity, it's definitely going to be what? High. You can't calculate it. If you measure it and you're giving mannitol, it's definitely going to be high. You know, uh, and why does hyperglycemia make you hyponatremic? Well, it's all about that fluid, right? Shifting into the vessel, out of the cell, into the vessel, really diluting that sodium. Well, over here, if you're isoosmolar, remember everyone that that's kind of weird. How can you be hyponatremic but be isoosmolar, you know? And this one really doesn't make a lot of sense in the year 2022. Why? Is because this is more of a, a measuring error that in the olden days, we wanted to measure, you know, uh, serum sodium. If you had high levels of proteins or high levels of lipids that, remember everyone, proteins and lipids, most of them have what charge? Negative. If you have lots of protein, like in multiple myeloma, you know, Waldenstrom's macroglobinemia, you know, amyloidosis, you have lots of protein, it's going to kind of bind to that sodium. So when you measure it, it's going to be falsely low. Same thing with lipids. Many of them are called lipoproteins. They kind of have a, a negative charge. Same concept right there. So, you know, when we talk about hyperosmolar and isoosmolar or hyponatremia, that it's really those two together are kind of like pseudo-hyponatremia. Really, if you're going to be hyponatremic by definition, you got to be what? Hypoosmolar. Let's look at that serum osmolarity. It's two times the sodium. So if you're truly hyponatremic, you got to be hypoosmolar. And once we know you're in this category, how do I work up the question in my mind at least? I look at two things. Volume status, which is very what? Subjective, you know. But then to be objective, I love to look at the urine sodium. And in this question, we talked about urine osmolarity. So we're going to do both together. So based on subjective volume status, hypovolemic, hypervolemic, and euvolemic, right? And so hypovolemic, not a good answer on the board exams because to be hyponatremic, you really got to lose hypertonic fluid, which isn't really, not really clinically relevant. You know, we don't really lose hypertonic fluid, but because um, you're going to be uh a loss of volume because you're going to say this patient's going to be dehydrated. Well, you can imagine urine sodium is going to be low. If you're going to be hypervolemic, well, what's going to give you hypervolemia in physical examination? Problem with oncotic pressure or hydrostatic pressure. So who's going to be the main culprits? The heart, the liver, and the kidney. Most common question is what? CHF on your boards. Trust me. And if you have really bad CHF, everyone, is being hyponatremic, a bad prognostic indicator for heart failure? The answer is what? Yes, they'll love to throw that in the critical care boards. And of course, why do these patients with CHF become hyponatremic? Well, it's all because of the fact that when they're volume down, when blood is going back to the right atrium, there are literally things called stretch receptors in the right atrium. And what happens is these stretch receptors actually will sense you being volume down, they'll influence the secretion of ADH, antidiuretic hormone. So ADH is strongly influenced by what? Serum osmolarity, but also influenced by volume status. And trust me, people with CHF do not need more ADH. So 
we get that secretion of antidiuretic hormone, what happens to sodium? It dilutes. So your heart has to be pretty bad for you to cause your body to secrete ADH based on volume status. So what happens in these cases when you check urine sodium? Because in the vessel, your volume what? Down, urine sodium is going to be low. Euvolemic, there's a very broad differential diagnosis here. And you know, I don't have the time to go through each one, but you know, and I know what's going to be the question on your boards. It's going to be SIADH, right? We already talked about psychogenic polydipsia. We talked about <clears throat> people who come in and ecstasy, which is going to be one of the things I think about on the boards, but SIADH. And if you're going to have SIADH, we already said urine sodium is going to be high. Urine osmolarity is going to be high. Of course, treat the underlying cause. Of course, think about fluid restriction. Of course, in some cases, you can think about tolvaptan and conivaptan. And urine sodium, as I mentioned, is going to be higher in this place. When is urine osmolarity going to be a deal breaker? It helps determine who has someone who has volume down, being dehydrated with a low urine sodium versus someone who has psychogenic polydipsia or beer potomania, where urine sodium is going to be low also, but urine osmolarity is going to be the deal breaker. Low in uh, beer potomania and polydipsia, high when you're going to be dehydrated. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Pearls podcast from Inside the Boards. This podcast is executive produced by Christopher Brightigan and Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Ars longa, vita brevis.